Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast in collaboration with the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about the Conservative Yeshiva, please visit conservativeyeshiva.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Shalom. This is Rabbi Joshua Heller, Senior Rabbi of Congregation B'nai Torah in Sandy Springs, Georgia. And welcome to Daily Daf Differently. Today we're studying Tractate Chagiga, Yud Dalad, Aleph and Bet. Page 14. Our Daf continues with the theme of forbidden mystical knowledge and the risks and the rewards entailed in entering these realms of metaphysical exploration. So, for example, we have two stories of Rabbi Elazar ben Arach and Rabbi Joshua, each of whom is journeying along the way and pauses to explicate the Ma'aseh Merkava, to explicate these prophecies of Ezekiel. For Rabbi Elazar ben Arach, as a result, fire comes from the heavens and the trees themselves sing a song in celebration of his teaching. For Rabbi Joshua, angels gather to hear his teaching against a backdrop of clouds in the midst of the summer. However, the hero of this daf is undoubtedly Rabbi Akiva. Now, the daf actually starts with a bit of a knock against Rabbi Akiva and his powers of mystical interpretation. There's a dispute regarding the meaning of a verse in Daniel, which seems to describe there being multiple thrones for God in heaven. And the text first brings a view of Rabbi Akiva that one throne is for God, and the other is for David, presumably meaning the Messiah. Now, Rabbi Yossi Haglili criticizes that view because it seems to place a human being on the same level as God, both sitting in the same chairs. And so then, Rabbi Akiva is quoted later as agreeing with Rabbi Yossi Haglili and giving a different interpretation, that one of those thrones is for justice and one is for the application of mercy. But then... Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah attacks that view as well and tells Rabbi Akiva, stick to Nagaim and Ohilos, stick to the laws of ritual purity and impurity, stick to your core competencies, and stay out of Agadah. It would seem that Rabbi Akiva's foray into mysticism is ill-fated. But then, towards the end of the daf, Rabbi Akiva is in fact the hero and the lone survivor of one of the more famous stories in the entire Talmud that of the four sages who entered the Pardes. Now, Pardes, in Aramaic, literally means an orchard. But the same word has entered English as the word paradise. And the implication really is twofold, that it is a place of beauty walled off from the rest of the world. And this particular paradise has forbidden fruit. It is the realm of forbidden knowledge of heaven. And so there are four sages who attempt to enter this realm. Shimon ben Zoma and Shimon ben Azai. They're usually just referred to as ben Zoma and ben Azai because they never were ordained as rabbis. Rabbi Elisha ben Abuya, who gains the nickname Acher, the other. And then our hero, Rabbi Akiva. Now this text does not tell us exactly how they entered the Pardes. Rashi explains that they literally ascended to heaven through recitation of the divine name. Tosafot portrays it as more of a meditative process, a spiritual journey, 
rather than a physical ascent. Now, in fact, many of the earliest Jewish mystical texts, including Sefer Yitzirah and the Hechelot literature, include patterns of syllables and words that were crafted to facilitate intense meditation and even dissociative and out-of-body states that would correspond to mentally entering these divine and supernatural realms. Now, Rabbi Akiva is portrayed as the leader of this group, and he warns them all, when you reach the stones of pure marble, do not say, Maim, Maim, water, water. This seems to be a rather obscure instruction. Rashi explains that it is a particular sensitive point in the journey, and saying, Maim, Maim, implies that one is surrounded by water and cannot go any further and thus being stuck in one's journey. Thus, having paused, one is susceptible to damage. On the next daf, we see a hint at another possible explanation. Benzoma had been discussing the process of creation with Rabbi Yeshua, and noted that in the process of creation, there were upper and lower waters, those of the heavens and those of the earth. And he argues that they are separated by just three finger breadths of distance. So he is making a statement about the gap between the physical world and the metaphysical world. And perhaps in the process of making that statement, he is portraying something that is incorrect and he is leading himself into heresy. For another answer, we can look at Hechalot Rabati, which, remember, is a very early Jewish mystical text describing... Um, meditations that were used to visit the different realms of heaven, and in fact may reflect the very meditation that these sages would have been using. And there is another explanation there of the specific risk of saying, Maim, Maim, water, water. In chapter 26 of Hechelot Rabati, there is a description of the mystic's journey. And as one transitions from the sixth heaven to the seventh heaven, you may encounter what seems to be thousands of waves of water. However, if you act as if it is really water, or even call it such, then you are declared to be a descendant of the worshippers of the golden calf, an idolater, and are not only stoned by the angels, but are struck by a thousand thousand pieces of iron, a million blows with iron. It seems to me that the implication of this text is that the great hazard of mysticism, and indeed the reason why these dapim are so critical or concerned about the potential mystic, is that there is a great risk of confusing image with the imaged, confusing metaphor with reality. So the sin of the golden calf was about seeking a physical form, something that could be easily visualized and grasped as representative of the incorporeal God. And whenever one enters the realm of mysticism, of trying to visualize or describe the divine and the infinite, there is the risk that in doing so, one ends up creating, if not a physical idol, then a mental idol, which will lead one to heresy. And so, in the end, our hero, Rabbi Akiva, emerges in peace. But he is the only one, as the other three of our four journeyers end up being damaged beyond repair by their experience. We are told that Ben Azai hates Vamet. He looked directly at God, which of course one cannot do and live, and died as a result. 
Shimon ben Zoma tried to do the same thing, and, the text says, Nifga was touched, or in other words, went insane at the knowledge that he encountered. Elisha ben Abuya, we are told, cut at the plantings. Now, it's not clear exactly what this cutting at the plantings or cutting at the shoots literally means. Given this is a pardes, an orchard, does it mean that he cut down some of the trees of knowledge? Did he corrupt young students, young saplings, and lead them astray? We know that it was some form of heresy. And we will find out more tomorrow about the sad story of Elisha ben Abuya and how he became known as the other one, Acher, tomorrow. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.